Hello and welcome to episode 7 of Walk On Radio. Uh, A little bit different look tonight as Dalton wasn't able to join us, so it's just going to be me, Ryan, uh, on the podcast tonight. And we have have an interesting topic. Um, We found out this last week that we would not be playing football this fall and in hopes to to play this next spring. Uh, And I you know, as as disappointed as I am, uh, there are some positives to it, and I think if I think if we can all go forward with a, a positive attitude surrounding that, I think it could be a good thing. Um, definitely not one to complain about year-round football, and so you know, some NFL action in this in the fall, and, and hopefully get some college football in in the spring. I think it could be a lot of positives uh, all the way around. But anyway, so. Tonight's episode is going to be, I think it's going to be fun. Uh, it is is going to be centered around what if. What if this happened, you know, that caused this. Uh, things in significant moments in sports history. Um, you know, I've got a lot of football examples that we're going to talk about, but I've also got some some NBA and, and MLB situations as well. Uh, but... You know, basically, this this certain moment, this certain event, caused a chain reaction to to help propel some other things happening. Um, and so let's get right into it. The first one I want to talk about, and this one hurts. Uh, obviously, you guys know that I'm a I'm a huge Cowboys fan, but th- this one is certainly interesting if you know your your early Super Bowl era history. Uh, I know my dad will appreciate this because he he knows about Super Bowls more than than anyone I know. But the 1967 Ice Bowl is is a is a significant game in NFL history. Uh, it's it's two storied two storied franchises: Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys. Uh, it's one of the coldest games ever played, um, and it's in the in the playoffs. And basically, whoever wins is going to go on to win the Super Bowl is what it's looking like. So if you know about the game, you know that the Packers score on the last play on the goal line and and then go on to win the next two Super Bowls, actually. And my my what if surrounding this is the fact that if it's so if you switch the roles, if the Cowboys win here, uh, I, I, I don't think it's it's deniable that the Lombardi Trophy that we know today that, that that's given to the Super Bowl champion each year would not be the Landry Trophy. Um, and obviously that's a significant deal because that's, that is the, the highest team honor uh, a team can achieve. And each year the Lombardi Trophy is given out. And so you change one play, you, you change one play in that ice bowl game, and it's the Landry Trophy. And I know that would be cool for me because uh, last episode I, I said this, but I am I'm actually named after Tom Landry. Uh, so not only would that be cool, it, it would just be cool that that a, a Dallas Cowboy head coach, the the greatest Dallas Cowboy head coach of all time, was was enshrined and ha- had his name on the trophy. So I think that's a that's a cool one. Uh, another NFL scenario I want to talk about is. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump jump way into the future here, uh, but this one this one has a couple steps to it. But really, really, if you look at it, it's pretty pretty clear cut that that this was a, a significant booster in, in this guy's career. 
So 2001, uh, Drew Bledsoe is the New England Patriots quarterback, and he gets injured early in the season, okay? So his backup comes in. You might know his name. It's uh, it's Tom Brady, who who's an incredibly late round draft pick. You know, not a guy that that was a flashy had a flashy college career. Uh, you know, no expectations really. Just you know, kind of going to be a, a work in progress backup guy. But Tom Brady gets thrown into the fire. Uh, Drew Bledsoe has a has a, actually a really serious injury, uh, a lung injury that you know sidelined him for a long time. And so Tom Brady plays, Tom Brady, Tom Brady plays well, and the Patriots go on and win the Super Bowl that year. And so not only, you know, did, did Drew Bledsoe getting hurt ultimately get a Super Bowl victory out of the New England Patriots, it, it was the birth of Tom Brady in, in who's the greatest quarterback of all time today. So if Bledsoe doesn't get hurt there, you know, there, there's really no telling if we would have ever gotten a Tom Brady or, or if Tom Brady would have bounced around teams, been a backup, you know, maybe started here and there. But, I mean, Tom Brady has been to, to more Super Bowls than any specific team. Him, himself has been to more Super Bowls than any team in the National Football League. I mean, he is, he is the epitome of the GOAT of the National Football League. And there's really, uh, you know, there's Tom Brady, and then you've got <laughs> about 10 more stories below him, and then you've got the next guy, in my opinion. I mean, just his his winning pedigree alone, it puts him leaps and bounds ahead of anybody else. And, you know, you, you, you have to trace back his start to the injury of the, the starting quarterback before him. Uh, another thing I want to talk about that. So let, let's let's piggyback off of the Drew Bledsoe getting hurt idea. Um, if Drew Bledsoe doesn't get hurt, Tom Brady never happens, and you could venture to say that Peyton Manning could could be the greatest quarterback of all time. And here's why I say that. So Peyton Manning is is at the top of the leaderboard in basically every quarterback statistical category, um, but he struggled against Tom Brady. He, you know, so if you take Tom Brady out of the equation, out of the AFC, uh, Peyton Manning, you know, probably wins some more MVPs, probably goes to more Super Bowls and, and wins more Super Bowls. Uh, you know, Peyton Manning played, played a good career with a good career, a great career with the Indianapolis Colts. And then uh, towards the end of the career, he, he goes to the Broncos, still in the AFC, still met up with Tom Brady. And so to me, if you take Tom Brady out of the equation uh, in regards to Peyton Manning, then you know uh, Peyton Manning would have that much more of a chance to to be the greatest quarterback in, in NFL history. So I'm gonna stay in the the NFL category. Um, this one, this so so this one means a lot to me just because I consider this guy to be one of the first real stars that I remember in, in my young NFL fandom uh, life. And 2007 draft, the Detroit Lions select a receiver out of Georgia Tech, okay? And if you know who I'm talking about, that's Calvin Johnson, Calvin Megatron Johnson, one of the most impressive specimens to ever walk the face of the earth. I mean, the dude was was unbelievable, Um 
And, and so my what if scenario here is what if Calvin Johnson got drafted by anyone else in the league other than the Detroit Lions, okay? The Detroit Lions during that time period is probably one of the worst. Well, in all of NFL history, the Detroit Lions are arguably considered the worst franchise in the history of the sport. But but during that time period, they were about as rock bottom as you could possibly be. And that's with a guy that, that put up numbers like Calvin Johnson did. And you can look back even even further in the NFL, and really the same thing seemed to have happened with Barry Sanders, uh, who a lot of people think retired you know, very prematurely and, and could have been the greatest running back of all time. Well, I'm here to say that, that the same exact thing happened to Calvin Johnson. And if you look at the numbers, Calvin Johnson only played nine seasons, okay? So in nine seasons, he averaged 1,291 yards per year, okay? He averaged, and he averaged 81 catches a year, okay? So let's compare that to other career averages. Uh, let's say Jerry Rice, okay? Now, disclaimer, I understand that Jerry Rice played uh, a lot longer than, than Calvin Johnson. So, you know, you have to take into account the longevity. It's impressive that he was able to do it at that high level for that long, but for averages purposes, I, I'm just I, I wanna I wanna say how impressive it was that Calvin Johnson was able to to reach this feat. Uh, so in 21 seasons, Jerry Ross averaged 1,090 yards. Okay, that's that's 200 yards less than Calvin Johnson was able to do in nine seasons. He uh, Jerry Ross caught 73 balls a year for 21 years. Calvin Johnson averaged 81 for nine seasons. So yes, again, I understand. He played a lot longer than Calvin Johnson, but it's hard to hard to deny that if Calvin Johnson wasn't on a different team, played on a better team, that he would have not only had his numbers, but played longer and you know could could have gone down as as you know the best receiver of all time. Uh, talent wise, I think that that's an incredibly fair argument. Obviously. You know, there's a lot of other things that go into play. Uh, Jerry Rice had had Steve Young throwing to him, and so you know uh, that's a Hall of Fame quarterback, and and that's obviously a really big deal. But talent wise, it's hard to hard to deny that Calvin Johnson couldn't be in that goat category for receivers. So the last NFL what if that I want to talk about is is really in today's NFL world and and all three of the guys involved are are still playing um and it, it starts with the 2017 NFL draft uh we're going to focus on the bears here so you know if you keep up with it all at it at all excuse me you you would know that the bears uh in that draft took first rounder Mitchell Trubisky and you know I'm not I'm not into I'm not bashing the pick uh because because that was their guy that's who they felt could take their franchise to to the next level but when I tell you the other two guys that were drafted after him you're you're going to I mean if the bears aren't kicking themselves in the teeth then I I don't know because not only was Deshaun Watson picked after Mitchell Trubisky Patrick Mahomes was picked after Mitchell Trubisky and so you, you've seen how those two guys' careers have gone. Uh, now, are there going to be people that say, ah, well, 
you know, would Deshaun Watson have the same success rate uh, in Chicago that he that he had in Houston? You know, he wouldn't have DeAndre Hopkins, whatever. Uh, people are going to say, ah, well, Patrick Mahomes, he, he got to have that red shirt year behind Alex Smith in Kansas City. And, and his second year was was kind of a coming out party, but he had great weapons around him. OK, whatever. All I know is is that the Bears have an incredible defense. They've had an incredible defense. And and I, to me, with with a Deshaun Watson or a Patrick Mahomes, let's just talk about Patrick Mahomes, okay? Patrick Mahomes just signed a half a billion dollar contract to play quarterback in the NFL. Uh, it's a ten year contract. Uh, and, I mean, there, obviously, there's been there's never been a contract to that magnitude. And, and so, you know, for me to agree with you in saying that ah, uh, Patrick Mahomes wouldn't be Patrick Mahomes anywhere but KC, I think you're crazy. Um, I, you know, would he have a Tyreek Hill? Would he have a Travis Kelsey? No. But Patrick Mahomes makes those guys better. Uh, I, to me, Tyreek Hill is a, he's a top five receiver in the NFL, but he's a top five receiver in the NFL because of Patrick Mahomes. If you watch his tape, he, he's a good receiver, but he's really just faster than everyone and and when your quarterback can throw it farther than everyone you know a guy with that type of olympic speed is really going to thrive and so i think if you put you get the right guys around patrick mahomes in in the bears offense with that that solid of a defense i really think you're looking at the same thing uh i i don't think it's a matter of how you know if Patrick Mahomes would win a Super Bowl in Chicago. I think it's a matter if how many he would win in Chicago, and I, and I think that's the same situation with with KC today. Uh, you know, the next ten years uh, for Patrick Mahomes' contract, they're going to win multiple Super Bowls. I, I have no doubt. Um, I, you know, I think they're a Super Bowl favorite this year, uh, coming out of the AFC. Talking about Deshaun Watson, uh, you know, Deshaun Watson kind of had the. The stereotypical uh, running quarterback, you know, how will that translate to college or to NFL, excuse me. But, you know, I, I say this to that. The dude won the national championship. He was a, a Heisman uh, finalist. And and to me, as, as elite as college football is nowadays, when you, you know, he beat Alabama, okay? Well, I'm sure Alabama that year had seven first rounders uh, on their defense alone. And so, to me, if you're able to do it at the national level in college, you're able to do it at the national level, the National Football League level. And, and I think we're seeing that. You know, you've got guys, Lamar Jackson, you've got guys like Josh Allen, you've got guys like Kyler Murray running the ball. And and I think that, that that's a kind of a, an upward trend today. Uh, so, you know, maybe the Bears shot away from Deshaun Watson because of that. Um, and they, you know, obviously they, they saw something in Mitchell Trubisky that they really liked. Um, and, I, you know, I think Mitchell Trubisky had, you know, good qualities and, and a, you know, a decently high ceiling. But, you know, and I know hindsight's twenty twenty, but I've always been a Deshaun Watson fan. And I've watched Patrick Mahomes play against my high school four or five times. And so, you know, I could have told you that the dude was unbelievable. And so, you know, obviously that is a, a franchise changer uh, miss out on the draft, uh, you know, missing not one but two quarterbacks that are no question better than the quarterback you have today. 
Okay, so we're gonna shift to we're gonna shift to uh, NBA here. Uh, this is one that this is one that people talk about probably all the time. But 1984 draft, the Trailblazers select Sam Bowie. Um, there's a good chance you probably don't know who that is, but you know who the next pick is, and that is. The Chicago Bulls select Michael Jordan. So, kind of the same situation. This one, this one, a little different than uh, the Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson situation. Uh, so, basically, Portland misses out on uh, arguably the well at the time, no question. But now with LeBron, I would say arguably, but misses out on the greatest basketball player to ever walk the face of the earth. Um, as you know, Michael Jordan goes on, wins six NBA titles, um, you know, pretty much breaks every record there is to be broken. Um, Hall of Famer, greatest of all time, whatever. Uh, if you watch the, the last dance, that was a good, good look into kind of the mindset and the process that Michael Jordan took, uh, to, to being so successful, you know, obviously, what I will say about Michael Jordan, uh, I, I, to me, I have LeBron over him. But what I will say about him is that he is undoubtedly the greatest competitor of all time. I mean, Michael Jordan literally went above and beyond in, in any situation that he could, uh, whether it was workouts, whether it was motivating teammates, whether it was gambling. <laughs> and I know I, I know that, that sounds funny, but he, he's the epitome of you know doing doing everything to the best of his ability to win. It didn't matter if it was a game of rock, paper, scissors, or the NBA Finals. Um, and, and so, you know, you, the Trailblazers miss out on a guy like Jordan, and, and obviously that is a, that's a franchise, you know, changer. Uh, I, you know, but I, I'm, I'm going to flip it too. Um, not only was it, was it a, you know, career changer for the Portland Trailblazers, it's a career changer for Michael Jordan. And what I mean by that is, yes, I think Michael Jordan, you know, given what he was able to do, uh, the success he had at such a high level, it would be hard to say that he wouldn't have won an NBA Finals uh, title with the Portland Trailblazers. But it's also hard to say that he would have won six. And you know, you you know, you don't have you don't have Scottie Pippen, you don't have Dennis Rodman, you don't have Steve Kerr, and you know. That uh, you know, I have Phil Jackson, who's probably the greatest basketball coach of all time, uh, and those those definitely are are a helping hand in Michael Jordan's career. And if you watch the Last Dance, you you would know that you know that Michael definitely didn't do it on his own, but that he was you know obviously the most integral part to that incredible dynasty. And so, you know, Trailblazers definitely missed out on some titles, but I think Michael Jordan definitely gained some titles uh, from this pick. Uh, sticking with the same idea and the same team, um, <laughs> this one this one stings too because uh, it happened happened to the Portland Trailblazers again, and so uh, Portland Trailblazers have the number one overall pick. Uh, and I think I think it was two thousand seven. I could be wrong on that, uh, but Portland Trailblazers take Greg Oden, uh, who was who was a household name, college basketball player from Ohio State. Um, and Greg Oden was a, a very talented player, you know, big man, um, but couldn't couldn't stay healthy when it came to the NBA. Now the second pick 
by the Seattle Supersonics, which is now the Oklahoma City Thunder, was Kevin Durant. And so talk about talk about brutally missing out on on two lottery ticket players uh, in your franchise. And I, I'm by no means comparing Kevin Durant to, to Michael Jordan, but Kevin Durant is is probably the best scorer in, in the last you know 20 years in the NBA, pure scorer. And so to say that that wouldn't have changed the Trailblazers, you know, last 20 years is ridiculous because Kevin Durant has has been that best player in the world, second best player in the world guy for a while now. And so what an incredible, incredible missed opportunity out of the uh, the Naismith Award winner out of Texas. And so, you know, two big oopsies by by Portland there. Uh, if you're a fan there, I know that that's got a sting. Uh, luckily, you know you guys got Damian Lillard. That was a kind of a diamond in the rough deal, but I, you know, I wouldn't put him on Michael Jordan and Kevin Durant level just yet. Um, okay, so switching to let's go baseball here. Um, this is so this one is actually way about a hundred years ago, actually. Uh, 1920, uh, a significant trade happened in in Major League Baseball history, and if you're if you're a you know baseball fanatic, uh, you you obviously know the uh, the great Bambino, the 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 salt in the swat. Uh, you know you hear about him in in movies like The Sandlot, uh, but I'm talking about Babe Ruth, and Babe Ruth was first a Boston Red Sox, uh, a, a perennial household name in, in the baseball world, uh, went to some title games, won some titles for the Red Sox, and, you know, at the peak of his career, the, the Boston Red Sox trade him to the New York Yankees. And, and the significance in this is that the the, <laughs> the Yankees would go on to seven World Series and win four titles with with Babe Ruth at the helm. And and Babe Ruth pitched, he hit, he was absolutely the best player in the league, arguably the best player of all time. I mean, his stats are are unbelievable. He had the home run record for a, a lot of, of baseball history. Um, and so, I mean, the dude, you know, obviously was a was a franchise changer. And my what if in this situation is you know, I, I think it's incredibly fair to say if the Red Sox don't trade Babe Ruth, the Red Sox are what the Yankees are today. And what they are today is the the blue blood baseball franchise uh, of all time. Uh, you know, I, they, they've won more World Series than anyone, been to more World Series than anyone, the most, you know, expensive franchise in baseball. And, and I really think it, you can trace it back to the Boston Red Sox trading away Babe Ruth. Uh, if they don't do that, I really think that their roles are reversed. And, you know, obviously the Red Sox have had success, but the curse of the Bambino uh, lasted, you know, dang near 100 years. Uh, the, the Red Sox weren't able to win a World Series title. Uh, and so, you know, that was a big deal when they, when they broke that. I actually went to a game that season um, when the Red Sox finally won a World Series, so that was pretty cool. But all that being said, you know, terrible trade. Uh, I, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but trading 
a guy like that uh, definitely came and uh, bit them in the ass for sure. So the next sport I want to talk about, I want to talk a little a little college basketball, um, and this is this is specifically due to to do with March Madness. Uh, I'm a big March Madness guy. It's one of my my favorite times of the year. Uh, I was I was incredibly disappointed that we didn't get to have that this last season due to Corona. Uh, but I'm I'm hoping. Thinking positive thoughts going forward, I, I think that we'll be able to get it in this next year. Uh, I love making my bracket uh, and you know usually getting a bunch wrong on the first day. Um, but so the the what if I want to talk about is and you've all seen the video. You you probably don't know the teams just because they're they're not really the it's not a Duke, it's not a North Carolina, it's not a a Georgetown, a Villanova. It's no it's no teams like that, but. In uh, let's see my notes in in 1983 okay the 1983 NCAA Final Four championship so the national championship uh, NC State is playing Houston okay now Houston is is a huge favorite here uh, they've got Hakeem Olajuwon one of the best players of all time definitely one of the best players in the nation at the time in college basketball. And so Houston, Houston is is huge favorites over NC State. I mean, what is you know what has NC State ever done? Uh, so you've seen the play, you've seen the the last second heave uh, to win the game for NC State. Uh, it comes up short, and uh, a, a guy catches the air ball and, and puts it in at the last second for NC State to upset. The, the heavy favorite Houston in the national championship. Um, and, and, and so, you know, if Hakeem Olajuwon blocks out, and you, if you've seen the video, you know that it, it kind of does look like he, he takes a bit of a playoff. And, you know, it's hard. I know that's a hard pill to swallow just because it was the last play, and ultimately they end up losing the national championship because of it. But Hakeem Olajuwon doesn't block out. The guy is uh, able to get the rebound, put the put the ball in the basket, and win the national championship for North Carolina State. And so, but the what if the what if that I I want to I want to focus on here is so if that doesn't happen, okay, Jim Valvano, who's the coach of NC State, uh, never is able to run around like a crazy man uh, in the video that you you've probably seen if you're a March Madness fan. And so the significance about that video is after that, Jim Valvano becomes kind of a fan favorite coach uh, in college basketball. So if you know anything about Jim Valvano, uh, you would know that he he's diagnosed with cancer later on, okay? And so at the ESPYs... Um, Jim Valvano gives a speech. It's a it's a speech that you you've probably seen today. It's very heartwarming, very sad. Um, and the, the funny part is, you know, on the speech there, he he kind of goes a little long, uh, and and the people, you can tell that the people are kind of telling him to you know get off. But he's like, you know, what do I have to lose? Uh, so it was it was terminal cancer. Uh, everyone everyone knew what was going to end up happening, but. The significance in the speech that he gave was that he's re- today has raised about 
or almost $200 million for cancer research. Uh, and so that's a, that's obviously a significant thing in, in medical history. Uh, you know, cancer is probably struck, uh, everyone's lives, uh, whether it was, you know, a loved one, a friend, something to that, that matter, but $200 million raised for, for cancer is, is a significant deal. So my what if is if Akeem Olajuwon blocks out and Houston wins the national championship, Jim Valvano never gives his speech and that money is never raised for cancer. Uh, and, and so that's, you know, that, that's, a that's a significant, really, really interesting thought, uh, to talk about. Now, my last what if for the night is, is one that's tough for me, uh, just because of how, how invested I have been in it, uh, my whole life. And so if you know anything about college football in the last 10 years, okay, you would know that Alabama and Nick Saban is, has, has been the powerhouse, has been the, the unbeatable, if you will. They've won five national titles, okay, in that span. And so they, they you know, obviously have been at the top. I mean, unbelievable program, unbelievable coachings, had some unbelievable players, Julio Jones, Derrick Henry, Mark Ingram, Jalen Hurts, Tua Tugavailoa. I mean, crazy, unbelievable NFL guys. And I'm going to tell you, or I'm going to explain to you how Alabama came to be. I'm going to trace it back to one play in college football history, and it doesn't even have anything to do with Alabama. Okay, so let's let's rewind a little bit to to one of my favorite uh, my favorite games in college football history, the. 2005-2006 National Championship. Uh, you've heard me talk about it a lot uh, in the past on this show. I'm a huge Vince Young guy. I'm a huge Texas Longhorn guy. Obviously, you know that 2005-2006 Rose Bowl National Championship. Vince Young beats USC in the in the closing seconds of the game on fourth down. Obviously, you know, probably considered one of the best college football games of all time. Uh, Vince Young, one of the best college football quarterbacks of all time. What people don't know is that a f- true freshman on that roster was Colt McCoy. Okay, I love Colt McCoy. He's my second favorite Texas Longhorn uh, ever. Um, and so let, let's talk a little bit about Colt McCoy. Okay, he, he's one of the winningest quarterbacks in in college football history. I mean, his stats are speak for themselves. Uh, he's won won some huge games, um, but let's uh, let's talk about the two thousand eight. Let's talk about the two thousand eight Texas Longhorn season. Okay, so and and this is you know this is where I'm saying the Alabama dynasty starts. Okay, and, and bear with me. Uh, I did a lot of research on this, and I remember a lot because I was I was a huge Texas Longhorn fan, but. You know, I did a lot of research, and I mean, all the signals point that this is that this could possibly be the beginning to the Nick Saban domination era. Uh, so, 2008, Texas is undefeated. Uh, they go into Lubbock, play the Texas Tech Red Raiders, led by Graham Harrell and Michael Crabtree. 
Uh, if you're a fan of it, you know where I'm going with this, but I bet you don't remember the play before the play, okay? So, Texas Tech gets out to a huge lead, all right, and which, you know, Texas Tech was good, but Texas was number one team in the nation. Um, so, fast forward, Texas comes back, makes it, a, makes it a great game, whatever. Texas is winning. Uh, it's the final drive of the game. Texas Tech has to go down and score. Uh, the clock's ticking. And it gets to, we'll say, you know, 20 seconds, okay? Some, somewhere in that ballpark. Um, Graham Harrell throws a ball uh, to the sidelines, and it's tipped uh, by his own receiver up in the air. And if you've, if you've watched the video, you were watching live, whatever, the announcers, as soon as it happened, chalked it up as an interception. That's game. Texas wins. Blah, blah, blah. So here's what happens. Ball gets tipped up, and Texas true freshman safety David Gideon has a as sure thing of an interception as I've ever seen in the history of football. I remember it vividly because of of how big of of an unfortunate event uh, took place. So David Gideon, you'll have to you'll have to look up the video, but David Gideon drops the ball. And so Texas Tech is able to retain possession. And again, I said if if you, if you know what game I'm talking about, you know how it ends. Uh, it's probably the biggest play in Texas Tech history. Uh, but the next play, Graham Harold throws it to the sideline. Michael Crabtree catches it, breaks two tackles, and scores in the last seconds to beat Texas in in one of the craziest endings in college football history. Uh, Texas is is basically you know, booted out of the national championship for this. They've got three easy games on their schedule after this one. This is pretty much the last test. Um, Oklahoma, who Texas beat earlier in the season, goes on to play Florida in the national championship, uh, loses. But my 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 what if on this is is and I and I'm gonna I'm gonna get it to I'm gonna get it to Alabama. Just just wait. But my what if is if if David Gideon catches that ball, and okay, let me let me let me talk about David Gideon for a second. Uh, it's still there's still a sour taste in my mouth from that play. Uh, so here's a story uh, regarding David Gideon, and this is this is a hundred percent a true story. Uh, so my sixth grade year uh, of football, I I go to a camp called Air It Out. Okay, big quarterback camp. Uh, it's a three a three day event. You know, you just you go until your arm throws or you throw until your arm falls off. Excuse me. Uh, and and you know it's a big deal. A lot of quarterbacks, a lot of great Texas high school quarterbacks have been to this camp. And so you know, uh, me and my dad go. Um, and <laughs> one of the camp counselors happens to be none other than David Gideon. Okay, so this is this is obviously after his playing days. This is after after the dropped interception. Uh, well, I, I I had a sour taste in my mouth because I I avoided him at all costs, and I, I'm a, I'm a stuck up little sixth grader. I'm you know smart sports guy. I know my stuff, uh, and so you know I I felt like if I if I got in a conversation with him, I, I'd call him out. You know what happened? What happened on that play? You know, you know they don't. 
they say you know one game one play can't you know win a ball game but but obviously obviously this this is a huge play and so you know it definitely changed the ball game and because I know the next play Michael Crabtree beat the Texas Longhorns and so sour taste in my mouth I'm just a kid I you know I'm, I bleed bleed burn orange uh, at the time and and so I couldn't even talk to the guy I was so mad and this is years later so that that obviously shows how how big that this event was in my life but anyways, let's get back to talking about how this jump started the Alabama dynasty. So, if Texas wins this ball game against Texas Tech, they're probably going to the national championship. Has a chance to win the national championship uh, in two thousand eight, the two thousand eight season, It'd be the two thousand nine national championship actually. But have a chance to win that one. Uh, that would that would be you know their second national title in five years. Okay, so. Let's fast forward a year, all right? Uh, Colt McCoy still at the helm for Texas. He's better than ever. Texas runs through the the Big 12 that season, goes undefeated, uh, and they're playing in the Rose Bowl in the national championship against none other than the Alabama Crimson Tide. And I actually go to this game in real life. Uh, me and my dad, we go to Pasadena, California to the Rose Bowl. It's one of the the coolest experiences I've ever gotten the privilege to be a part of. Uh, if you've never been to the Rose Bowl, I would say it's the cathedral of football. Uh, just the the atmosphere, the scenery, the the stadium itself is, is second to none. And I'll I'll stand on that hill for sure. But let's talk about what happened in this game, okay? So if 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 you know uh if you know what happens um Cole McCoy on the fifth snap of the game for Texas uh has a, a little option keeper a uh, little you know 5 yard gain no nothing play he is he is hit by an Alabama player and ultimately knocked out of the game so i think if i remember correctly he he damaged some nerves in his shoulder and basically didn't have feeling in it for the night, and so he wasn't able to play. Um, you know, and that's our that 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 was Texas's guy. I mean, that was that was the the general of our offense. And I think uh, if you if you watch the game, uh, and and we put Garrett Gilbert in, and if you remember him, he was a true freshman. Uh, you know, really really high recruited uh, quarterback out of high school. But but he was a true freshman, and his first his first big game is in the national championship against Alabama. I mean that's that's big time. Alabama had Mark Ingram and uh, Julio Jones that year. Quarterback is Greg Greg McElroy, and, and and Texas plays with him. Gary Gilbert plays the game of his life. Texas plays with him, and and I think think McElroy throws for for like fifty yards. And you're telling me that if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt, that 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 Texas wouldn't have have won that national championship. I mean, I think you're crazy. Uh, and so, with 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 saying all that, is if David Gideon catches the ball in 2008, Texas goes and plays for for their second national championship in five years. Okay, with, with an opportunity to win it. Uh, if if Colt McCoy doesn't get hurt the following season in the national championship, I believe that Texas wins the national championship. So that's that's possibly their third national championship in six years, okay? So that's three national championships in six years, all right? And you're telling me that 
Texas, it wouldn't have had every chance to have the same success that that Alabama had in a 10-year run, five national championships in a 10-year run that that Texas wouldn't have been able to at least tie that. Because I just said that'd be three national titles in six years. And so if you win that national title, more recruits come. You know, I mean, you know how it works. If you win, you stay winning because because the good players want to play for good teams. And, you know, Texas has has been on a decline since then. Um uh, and I'm not saying it's a direct result from that, but I definitely think if Texas wins those national championships, I definitely think that there is no decline. There, there's actually an elevation. Um, and, you know, Alabama still going to be successful. I mean, they, they obviously they play in the, the toughest division in college football. Nick Saban is probably at this point the greatest coach of all time in college football. But if you look at the facts – Texas, no doubt, could could be of that stature today, um, and you know that's that's definitely something to think about. Uh, obviously, there's more what ifs. I just I just focused on a couple that I wanted to talk about tonight. You know, what if Des caught it? Uh, well, I'm here to tell you he did catch it, uh, but we'll never know. Uh, I think Tony Romo got cheated out of a, a Super Bowl type year out of that. Uh, if you're a Saints fan, there's a lot of what ifs. Uh, what if they called pass interference? What if the Minneapolis miracle doesn't happen? Um, you know, that's stuff that probably keeps Drew Brees up at night. Um, had a lot of had a lot of things in my high school career. You know, what ifs? Uh, you know, I won't get into that, but there's definitely you know, and it, it's it's I guess it's ridiculous because you know. I'm playing college football now, and I still worry about things that happened in high school, but that's just who I am. I mean, there's definitely situations in track, baseball, football, all that. You know, one one instance where something happened, you know, what if it went differently? Um, but that's okay. That's sports. That's why we love it. That's why, that's why you play the game. That's why, you know, I mean, some of the greatest, some of the greatest things in sports history were, are because of once in a lifetime moments. I mean, you know, David Tyree, what if he doesn't catch that? Uh, the New England Patriots have the greatest NFL season of all time, and we don't even know who David Tyree is. Uh, you know, what if Doug Flutie doesn't complete the, uh, the Hail Mary pass, uh, which, which is one of the most iconic college football plays to this day? Um, so lots of examples, uh, feel free to comment on Twitter, any other what if moments that, uh, that I may have missed tonight. I'm definitely interested to see what you guys think. I uh, hope, hope you enjoyed the episode. Um, I'm, I'm sad that Dalton couldn't join us tonight. He, he'll hopefully be back next week. Um, you know, like we said, we're going to kind of be bouncing around topic to topic, uh, until we get some football going. Um, again, feel free to comment, uh, whatever, you know, you'd like, like for us to talk about. We're, we're, we're open ears, you know, until football starts, we're, we're kind of just talking about interesting sports topics, historical sports topics, you know, current sports topics, whatever. But when the season starts, we'll kind of have a a set schedule or how we're going to do episodes, pick-ems, uh, players of the weeks, disappointments of the weeks. Uh, hopefully, you know, with college football being out this year, uh, I hope to go to some NFL games. Uh, I think the Cowboys are going to be great this year, so I definitely am looking to get some, to some games. 
maybe I can record a, a little episode, you know, at AT&T Stadium. I don't know. Uh, but definitely different things throughout the year that we're planning. Uh, and uh, I think that's it. Appreciate you guys.